Hi, I'm Gabby Herculano. And I'm Shella Lika, and you're listening to Climate Solutions with Gabby and Shella. A weekly podcast where we bring to you evidence of acceleration of the massive shift towards a green, sustainable, and balanced economy. We have a laser focus on the 2030 milestone of cutting emissions in half. Our children deserve better, and we have no time to waste. Join us and our guests as we discuss the innovative and impactful solutions shaping our world. This is an exciting episode. We're going to be speaking to Christoph Williams. He's the CEO and co-founder of Naked Energy. It's a 10-year-old company with a very innovative solar and heat power concept. He talks about a number of his different products, including digitalizing the heat as solar panels already have managed to do. So we can't wait to bring him on and learn more. Christoph, we're super happy to have you this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, a topic that we're very passionate about, and uh, so are you. We like to start asking um, our, our guests to talk about their backgrounds and, and, and their passions. Uh, a lot of our guests are incredibly passionate people. You, you, you're a co-founder of Naked Energy, and um, that has been, um, you know, you've been devoting a lot of your uh, time and energy to building this business for the past 10 years, right? Um, can you please tell us more, you know, where this, the vision came from, solar heat and power concepts? We'll get into what Naked Energy does and, and what makes it unique in the technology. But how did you um, come up with this idea 10 years ago? That was way before solar um, technology became, um, um, you know, more affordable. How did the whole thing start? That's uh, quite a, a, a complex question to answer, but uh, I'll try and uh, give you a succinct answer. And great to be here. Thank you. Um, so I, I guess, yes, I've been running Naked Energy for 10 years now. Um, if I wind the clock back as to you know, why did I start it, what happened and what did I do before? Um, it's an unusual career path to get to being a CEO of a solar startup. Um, I guess my my very original um, interaction with sustainability goes back, I, I guess, to my grandfather. It's a, a long story. Um, he uh, was running the alternative energy division of John Lang in the 1960s and 70s. So he was doing flywheel technology, wave power, wind power um, back in the 60s. And he's a remarkable engineer and scientist. So it's in my blood. <laughs> Even though I'm, I'm not a scientist or an engineer, I'd love to be one. I think I've learned a lot about it in the last 10 years, but I'm not a, not a scientist. I've um, got some brilliant ones in the company. Um, but he said something to me when I was a little boy that, that always struck with me. He said, um, if we were to put all the known fossil fuels into an annual calendar, he said, we've only got a few minutes left. And it, it, yeah, you can do the mathematics on it. Of course, we're all discovering new fossil fuels and so on and so forth. But it just lodged something in my mind that you know, fossil fuels is finite. It's a, it's a, a source of energy which you know, one day there'll be none left. And so we have to look at alternatives. We have to look at different ways of, of consuming and, and reducing our energy demand. So that was incredible. Um, my father is also, also an aeronautical mechanical engineer. So a lot of engineering in the family um, and uh, so that was very sort of influential and, and inspiring. However, um, I went off down the art, arty route when I left school, <laughs> went into, uh, into media and, and into advertising and spent a long time working on 
very exciting, very interesting campaigns. Um, they were always trying to push the boundaries of what was technically possible and visually possible and uh, enjoyed that career for a long time. But whilst I was on that path, I did work on uh, climate change campaigns, uh, water saving campaigns. And one particular campaign that I did for the UK government uh, was for Act on CO2. And it was a two minute film that effectively um, I directed it. And it was the, the concept was if we could see the greenhouse gas emissions, if we would actually see them happening real time, we would do something about them. And we had cars with, you know, with kind of very bright colored rainbow lights coming out and there's gases coming out of houses and factories. And the sky was just filling up with all this kind of colorful um, gases. And then people are looking up at it, you know, my God, we need to do something. And, and because it's so invisible, greenhouse gases, I guess you know, it's becoming more visible now with, with the data and with scientists and you know, with uh, sort of the social movement, but it is still invisible other than the effects that it causes on the planet. So I went through um, my advertising career and, and always wanted to do something in sustainability. And pure serendipity, I met the brother of a very well-known cameraman who was doing something in solar, solar heat, and um, got to uh, engage and, and sort of got on very, very well. And um, we, he, he was doing something in pure thermal. And at that time, I uh, started to learn a lot more about the, the demand for heat. And uh, he was saying that 37% you know, of all emissions in the UK came comes from water, space heating, and process heat and industry. And that's 37%, that's a huge amount of emissions. Um, so clearly it was a big problem. And, um, and space is a big issue in terms of available area to, to, to resolve these issues. You know, we're talking about distributed energy. There is only so much land. There's only, only so much roof space that you can deploy. So we kind of locked horns and, and use, I guess, part of my design background was to come up with the concept of the hybridization. So we, we said, well, why, why can't you take the very best of what works thermally in terms of the, the, the vacuum tube technology, which really helps insulate um, the capture the, the sun's heat energy and the very best of photovoltaic energy, which is the silicon cells and combine them into this um, unique solar collector um, that also has this very efficient um, exchanger, which takes the heat away from the photovoltaic cells. So that was the concept. And we spent a long time doing the ideation and thinking about, oh, how are we going to do this? And it was a bit of a, a pipe dream. Um, and, um, and then we were very lucky. Um, we, we entered this competition for Shell. It's called Small Businesses with Big Ideas on Climate Change. And um, it was specializing in solar energy. We had to present at Cambridge University. And we won it. It was just remarkable. We didn't expect that we would win anything. We thought, well, we'll go there. It'll be really, you know, educational and we'll meet lots of other great companies and, and industry experts. And lo and behold, we won it. We won £40,000 cash prize from Shell. Um, but the important thing was that on the back of that, we raised a bit of seed capital from three business angels that said, yeah, I love the concept. We can see the big problem. Um, and, uh, and that's how the wheels started spinning. At that stage, we were still doing our day jobs. I was still in my previous career and um, had to make a tough decision. You know, it was, the decision was, well, we've got some backing. I thought half a million pounds was so much money. It is. It is a lot of money. <laughs> it, you know, but to start a company, and especially uh, in engineering, um, it, it's a drop in the ocean. And, uh, but I was very sort of wet behind the ears and, and green at that time. 
uh, and just really wanted to do it. So I took the plunge. I gave up my previous career. I said, right, I'm doing this because I asked myself a simple question. I said, look, if I don't do naked energy, could I live with myself you know, not knowing what would have happened? And, I, and the answer was no, clearly. So I took the plunge and um, jumped, uh, founded Naked Energy. We put all the IP into the company. And that's where, that's where we got going. And um, a lot of my industry peers thought, well, Christos uh, boarded his rocket ship and off he goes. <laughs> He's going to try and do a startup. And, um, and, you know, timing is everything in industry, I think, I guess. You know, when, when I started Naked Energy, well, there are a number of things. There was a financial crisis that was, had happened. So finding capital was really, really hard. Um, people and investors, and I guess the, the world, okay, climate change is there. It's a problem. But in our original pitch deck and business plan, you just do not mention carbon savings. It's all about the financial savings. And, 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 and so now there is a bigger imperative and importance for carbon savings. Heat, no one talked about decarbonization of heat. You know, we're not going to get to net zero unless we address heat. It's three times bigger than energy demand, electricity demand. So those weren't topics. And, and so we were lucky. You know, we, we, we then sort of used that money. We were bootstrapped. We're very careful. And um, I guess that's where it all, all started. And, and uh, up until we got our first big grant from the government in 2014, we got a million euros from the Department of Energy and Climate Change. And that was when we sort of got out of the sort of doing it in a garage to actually write, we can hire some more talent, we can get you know, a proper head of engineering. We worked with PA Consulting, they made us start all over again. They say great technology, press the reset button, which was galling, but we had to do it. And so it's been gradual um, innovation, getting patents filed, improving, um, finding strategic partners, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and we've been on a very um, interesting um, journey to the point now where, yeah, it's been, it's been challenging, but very rewarding because it feels now that as a company, we have a technology that is globally unique in terms of its solar combined heat and power. It's been independently validated. We've got certification. We've got fantastic customers. We've got massive manufacturing partners, particularly in the US. Um, with Jable Circuit, um, we have uh, some good backers um, and revenues, and you know it, it's it's starting to starting to really ramp up, which is great. And this is the fun part of the business; it's the you know the commercial part, challenging, but also you know the fun bit because it's nice doing development, but actually growing and commercializing is where you can have the biggest impact, right? You can start you know, decarbonizing the built environment. So, yeah, that's how it that's how it got going and um and and uh why i took the plunge it's a great story to hear and remarkable in so many ways not just because you started off in a time as you said where it didn't have the the importance of climate change didn't have the urgency it did now um and also because as gabby mentioned earlier the prices of solar were so much higher so the the environment for creating a product like that was very different than than it is now, um, but we're glad you did. And, and that kind of commitment at an early stage, it's very inspiring to hear, you know, for entrepreneurs to really believe and to be committed even when perhaps it's not uh, an easy sort of sell and an easy product, um, but, but wonderful to hear um, about that. Can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of the solar market and to what extent that did assist you? How, you know, would that 2014 grant have happened if there weren't already, you know, drops in prices those first early years? Were you aware of the trajectory that it was going in um 
uh, you know, could you talk a little bit about that in the in the context of the evolving landscape of solar? Sure. So when we first started, um, we we had a different design where we had custom cells, photovoltaic cells, into our product. And uh, at that point, um, our, there was a very big company called Solyndra in the U.S. and and their product, I think, was six dollars per watt. Was the was the economics unit economics, and that's when we were starting. And uh, Yes, the market has changed. Um, solar PV has become a commodity. Um, there's been a, a huge drop in um, in the uh, the cost of, of solar, which is which is good for 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 the environment, good for obviously the industry. And there are many parts of the world now where you know, on-site solar is is cheaper, and grid-scale solar is cheaper than grid power. So you know, the reduction in that unit cost is is very good. Um, and our product, <clears throat> we had we knew that we had to compete with standard technologies. So our hybrid product, the key value proposition is, is uh, energy density. So if you have limited roof space, you have a high energy demand for a building or an application, we pack in more energy. You're getting two forms of energy for that same footprint, which means you can save more energy and you can save more carbon. And so for those commercial industrial customers, we can, we can address more of their utility bill. And, and make those buildings have better energy performance codes and um, deliver better standards and buildings. So as the, the cost of PV came down, um, our design shifted to actually being um, a consumer of that commodity. So we take standard photovoltaic cells, and I mean, the very efficient ones, they're over 22% efficient cells, um, and we integrate those into our product. So we're, we were a beneficiary of that cost reduction and the design process that we had made that we could integrate it and, um, and be cost competitive, even at the volumes that we're at now. Um, and, as a, and as a technology company, um, Naked Energy is really, we're the IP owners, we're the developers, the, the designers, the owners of the IP. Um, our business model is to outsource and partner with big manufacturers, which is the model we've got now. Um, and, um, and that would enable us to, uh, to compete in, in terms of um, the separate technologies um, by not building factories ourselves, you know, like Solyndra did, um, you know, we, we outsource. So that was the strategy we took. We saw the cost coming down and we knew that um, the, the other area of solar that wasn't coming down was the installed cost, the design cost, um, the speed of installation, well, the labor, you know, all the sort of you know, cost of acquisition that stay, stayed stubbornly high. So the, another, the other advantage of our solution by getting more energy on the roof uh, or that bit of land, uh, you're amortizing better that, that, that the labor costs. So that was another area that we knew that our product was helping um, uh, innovate in and, and get costs down. Uh, it's like one design, it's one trip to the roof, it's one set of installers. Um, so that was an important area of our hybridization as well. Christophe. The tailwinds are very massive. Um, that local solar, that local behind the meter uh, renewable uh, generation, we've never been able to do that in a competitive way. Now we can. Um, and, and, and the defl deflationary um, uh, trend is, is compelling. But there are always lots of risks. So what keeps you awake at night? What, what, is, what is it that you're more concerned about? We were chatting before, you were looking at um, international um, expansions. You're already present in quite a few different countries, but you're looking at the US market. So, so what is ahead and what, what concerns you? Very good question. So 
there are a lot of things that concern me, <laughs> obviously. You know, as an entrepreneur, I don't know, uh, an entrepreneur that sleeps totally happily at night. Um, but I guess the, the one big thing is I don't think governments, industries, um, policymakers are, are aware of the scale of the problem of, of decarbonizing heat. Heat is three times bigger than all of power consumption, and it's 40% of all emissions. And it's been left in the too hard to abate box for too long. They were doing very well on, in the power industry with solar farms, wind farms, you know, we're decarbonizing the power grid. You know, over a quarter of um, energy, electricity consumption is renewable now. And heat is only just over 10%. So a huge amount needs to be done on renewable heat. And it just gets overlooked. You know, it just, it, you know, and for me, that's, it's, um, it's frustrating, it's concerning, because we've only got 10 years to really do something impactful in terms of this sort of energy transition. And, and there is a, I think, quite a, an alarmingly blinkered view that we can electrify everything. And sure, there's gonna be more energy coming onto the grid, but most grids, certainly here in the UK, they're some of the oldest grids in the world. And they're not good at getting the intermittent energy coming on and the cost of upgrading those grids the distribution of those is going to be expensive and that's going to be passed on to the consumer and and so i'm very concerned that um, the current strategy of electrify everything um, isn't going to prevail it's going to end up being more expensive and you're locking in consumers into power costs and that sort of serves utility companies because then they've got all their consumers again at the end of their power costs um, on, on the utilities. Um, but um, I really feel that the area to decarbonize heat, um, and particularly the area that we're in, is the distributed solar heat and power. And, and that bit for me is not getting enough attention um, because it's so complementary. So whilst there's all these challenges of electrification, which is you know, the cost of you know, going from gas to power. So you, you know that even with the coefficient of performance of heat pumps, they are a good technology. They are definitely uh, a part of the solution, but it feels to me that, that a lot of um, uh, money or, or hope is put on heat pumps and hydrogen. And the approach is that the, the solutions exist today. There's, there's lots of uncertainty in terms of electrification. There's lots of uncertainty in terms of hydrogen. However, there's lots of solutions that are available today. They just need the regulation, there's the legislative support and the financial support to get them out there in the market. And I don't feel that that's happening fast enough because um, the clock is ticking, clearly. And, and so that, for me, is one of the, the biggest concerns um, is, is just, you know, not only are we, have we developed a technology and there is a massive market for it, but it's raising awareness and so part of my, my job, obviously, and these podcasts are great as well, and I'm not, not the only reason why I'm doing it, um, is to get that communication out there that we have to decarbonize heat. Heat is hard because it's pervasive throughout society. You know, they're not, it's normally gas boilers or furnaces. It's hard to, to decarbonize because they're, they're by nature distributed. So on-site renewables, on-site solar heat and power with other storage technologies, helps decarbonize the grid. It helps take the load off the power grids, off the gas grids. It means that um, you know, it's helping balance. 
And so um, I guess, yeah, that's a long answer to your question. Of, of, I think that is something that's got to be addressed. It's starting to happen now. It's starting to change in terms of uh, the focus, but it's been left you know, almost too late now that, that they're, they're hoping, I say they in terms of policymakers, uh, are hoping that heat pumps and hydrogen um, can be the, 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 the sort of magic bullet, but, but they're not going to be because they can't address all industries and electrification doesn't work for all applications. So, yeah, I guess that's, that's my, my concern. It makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, could you tell us a little bit from the point of view of the customer? Could you explain in a, in a simple way for those without the engineering and technical backgrounds exactly how that works? And, and then what does it mean for them in terms of um, you know, comparing the solution to just getting solar panels and having that electric heat pump? As you mentioned, this is far more efficient and obviously much better from an um, emissions point of view. What does it mean to the end user right now? And how do you see that changing in the next few years? Yeah, so I mean, as a business, we're we're focused on the commercial and industrial sector. So we're on, on customers that need a lot of heat and power. So that's the hospitality sector, um, hospitals, care homes, manufacturing uh, industries. So at the moment, if they want to decarbonize their heat, they need, and, and this would apply for a, a private dwelling as well, residential dwelling. Um, if they want to go all electric, um, they would then need a heat pump. And that means they're replacing their fuel cost from, say, gas, uh, which is a low, very low cost, particularly in the US, a very low cost uh, for now. Um, and those costs have tripled, at least in the UK and the Europe at the moment, you know, gas costs. Um, but they're going from a very low cost of fuel to electricity, which is a higher cost of fuel. You know, more levies are on, on uh, electricity. So there's, there's a sort of spark gap between the cost of heat and power. And it's, it's quite large. So then those consumers then are locked in. So they are now forced to buy kilowatt hours of power to go through a heat pump, which then generates the heat that they need, the thermal energy they need. Now, that's, there's an affordability question there in terms of, right, you've now increased your fuel costs um, and you're locked in at that. And, and so there's that risk. Um, there's also a connection charge challenge um, with, with that. So we have customers that are saying, right, okay, we've applied to the local DNO, the network, um, and they're saying, yes, you can put a larger capacity heat pump in there, but that's actually gonna cost you, and it's a very large number, it's nearly a million dollars to connect, to increase your electrical capacity to connect in the heat pumps. So by deploying our solution, they've reduced the capacity of the grid connection charge and the whole business case is stacked up and they've got on-site renewables, which is helping them decarbonize their uh, scope one emissions because scope one emissions is the emissions that you, you um, generate on site. Um, so that's uh, one aspect, but also if you're going all electric as well, you've got to make sure that that power is renewable, right? So if you're connected to a grid that isn't, hasn't been decarbonized, then you're not, you're just, you're just shifting the problem elsewhere. And that's again another part of my sort of connected to the previous question is where is all the renewable electricity going to come from you know heat is three times bigger in terms of demand and that gets even bigger when it gets to winter where you really need the heat so where is all the renewable electricity going to come from um so that's so that's um i guess from a, a, cu a customer perspective um uh, but heat pumps work you know they are a really good technology um and even in northern europe and scandinavia um they're prolific throughout um, their society and very well adopted. Um, and so they will be a major part of the solution, 
those costs will come down. It's like most technologies with enough support, enough uh, scale, economies of scale, those costs come right down. And, um, and heat pumps are on that. They haven't come down as rapidly, but they're on that cost um, trajectory. So I think that is obviously um, exciting for, for consumers. And I think that will be a, a way forward. And the way we're seeing it is we can combine our solution works with heat pumps and, and storage technology. Storing hot water or heat is very, it's 10 times uh, more efficient than storing power, storing thermal energy, because hot water is very, it's very hard to heat, uh, has a very high specific heat capacity, um, but also it means it stores the energy inside water very well. So you can store water for days, you can even store water, hot water for weeks, even months if it's in the ground, you know, and, and large vessels. And that's where it's going a lot in, in Europe, um, in Germany, Austria, Denmark, and the Netherlands, they're doing megawatt scale solar thermal um, systems. So you know, towns and communities are off gas for, a, you know, for, for the year um, because they're taking solar energy in the summer where it's abundant and they're storing it, they're consuming it as well, but they're storing it in large vessels, it could be cylinders or in reservoirs, and it's at low temperature and then that's reused in the winter in the shoulder months so it's 100 percent renewable energy um, even a town in canada and it's called drake landing project there's a community of 50 homes they're 100 percent uh, off gas 100 um, percent renewable 100 percent of the year and that's uh, solar thermal with heat pumps uh, ground source heat pumps very um, the technology exists and again that goes back to my point you know we can we can do this um, if we join up the dots between the, the available technologies today and deploying them in meaningful ways. We sure can. We, we, we could not agree more. We talked about what keeps you awake at night and, and we share that, you know, uh, as entrepreneurs ourselves, there are always things that come to your mind late at night and keep you awake. But there are also things that really excite us. Um, so can you share, uh, you know, you're definitely very excited about what you're doing in the solution and it's incredible. The, the pictures are just amazing. Share with us the blue sky scenario. 10 years from now, where do you think your solution um, could be in terms of um, um, price competitiveness and in terms of naked energy itself? How big do you think your company will, will be? Great question. Um, I I hope that we're very successful in ten years' time. Um, it's uh, it's amazing because just sort of kind of going back. Uh, now I have two young daughters that weren't that scientific, but they've seen the journey of what I we have been doing, and they've gone massively into science now and engineering, which is wonderful. Because we need more women in science and engineering. Let's face it, right? And um, and, and that's part of the excitement. So the people I'm working with, the people that we have in the business, you know, the, the men and women we have in the company are just amazing. So they're, they're so inspiring. And you know, as a creative person that started a, a technology company, you always get that kind of imposter syndrome you know, a little bit like, you know, who am I? Should I really be doing this? Do I deserve to be doing this? Um, and that, that is really hugely exciting and rewarding because um, there are brilliant people. We're just under 20 people in the company now and i think that's one of the, the greatest assets clearly is the people um and so where we want to go in 10 years is is 
growing growing more talented people passionate people because everyone's totally mission aligned they absolutely want to do something about sustainability and it's not just about technology it's about education it's about training it's about skills it's all those things that come with the you know the the deployment so by us being successful as a technology company and getting our distributed energy assets to businesses communities around the world there is so much job creation. There's so much you know, value added. It's you know, from from the materials to the manufacturing to the installation, monitoring, maintenance. I mean, there's so many areas, um, as well as the marketing side. So it's got so many fantastic layers of uh, interesting skills um, to get there. And uh, so that's really exciting. So it's bringing new talent and new partners around the world. You know, we're talking to some companies at the moment who are just. I thought, yeah. Would they give us a time of day? Yes, they are. You know, they, they can see now the scale of the opportunity that we're, we're trying to address. So, you know, really well-known businesses are interested in what we're doing. And that's hugely rewarding because you can't think, okay, well, I'm not completely mad. <laughs> Barking up the wrong tree. Um, so that's great. Um, but in terms of the vision, of course, you know, we have we have um, three three products essentially. Um, we have two solar products, the hybrid technology that produces combined heat and power. We have a pure thermal product that looks the same but does thermal energy at a higher temperature, um, and uh, they can work together. Um, we have a third product, which is something we've worked on a lot in the last year, is a new digital platform. So we've just, we've developed a digital um, monitoring system and, and data aggregator, which basically can monitor the the assets, not just our solar assets, but other assets. And it shows the energy performance, carbon savings. It can do the financial reporting, all the key vital statistics um, for the system. And what what we want to do. And it kind of goes back to you know, what's the big problem? It's heat. So we really want to digitize heat. We want to make it digital. We want to make it more, more um, visual so that customers understand their, their heat demands, they understand the savings they're making towards their heat demand. So we've developed a platform called Clarity because you know, the customers need clarity in terms of what they're doing and what they're saving and how it's functioning. So that's the third product. And I think that has a lot of scope for, uh, for scaling, not just our physical solutions, but also helping businesses um, become more aware of their consumption um, and how they can uh, implement energy efficiency and then on-site renewables, because of course efficiency is first. Um, so, so that's really exciting. And clearly you know, the ambition is to be in as many um, key markets around the world. At the moment, we've got distributors in the Benelux, in Switzerland, South Africa and Australia, about to enter the US market um, and I hope in 10 years that you know, Virtue is a household name in terms of a solar technology. It's recognized in a month and a bit. It's about to go on one of the most famous buildings in London. Um, I'm not quite able to say which building it is now. It will be public fairly soon, but it's, gonna, it's an iconic project. So it's so high profile in central London that it's going to put not just our brand, but I think solar heat and power um, on the map as well. And um, the application is amazing in terms of the use of that thermal energy. Um, and that's hopefully next year is going to be a real sort of quite a watershed year for us in terms of our, our growth. Um, yeah, and then we can enter as many markets because we've got lots of exciting applications where we can use our solar heat and power, even you know, green hydrogen production, desalination, um, solar cooling, you know, actually cooling buildings by using heat energy from the sun. There's so many applications where you could use the technology. So unlocking those applications as well over the next 10 years would be really exciting. 
well, it makes a lot of sense and we'll be watching keenly um, as you progress and looking out for that notice on the building in London. Um, so we wish you very much every success and look forward to hearing more in the coming years. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Likewise. Thanks for listening. You can listen to Climate Solutions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your shows. You can also leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or like and subscribe on YouTube. To find out more about us, visit us at iClimate.earth or at Climate Solutions with Gabi and Shala on YouTube or on Instagram. Links in the video to know more about us or our guests. See you next time.